Hello and welcome to Something to Declare. David, it's uh, great to hear hear you again. Um, how are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. I've had quite a full week, quite an energetic week, I guess, but full of good things. It is amazing post-pandemic, isn't it? I think it can feel a bit relentless in some ways as well, but you know, everyone who's not been able to do anything for the last two or three years, there's conferences everywhere, there's family gatherings everywhere, there's just lots going on this summer, mm. and uh, or at least that seems to be the case for me, and you can't do it all, and that's fine, but so there's just lots of good things uh, going on at the moment, so it's quite full on, but it's good, so we're appreciating it, uh, but how are you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, isn't it interesting how some things are still online and then some things have kind of like gone back into, quote, the real world. And now I find that I've I'm almost torn between both ends. So um, so yes. rather than before everything was online and then everything kind of moved back into per, like person is, is now also hybrid, that there's an expectation that you can sort of multiply yourselves into multiple places. I went to a virtual conference last week and I was really struck about how hard it was to be at it because um, it felt like uh, it was there online, but so, but the real world quote in the backgrounds mm. was kept interrupting it. And I am, um, you know, trying to desperately be present to that um, because it was virtual. It felt like it was perhaps more con like more conditional, you know, it could be, could be moved about a bit. And I was trying really hard to be at that. So I think that's really interesting, isn't it? How we've, we've now set the world up this way. And there's lots in that, that I really delight in. I like the accessibility of things, but there's also a lot of me that thinks it's hard then just to leave other things and then go and be away. Yep. Because I think we've lost the boundaries between work and not work, between being at certain types of work. You can't compartmentalize as easily, I think. So anyway, that was a big thought for <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> but, but leads us very nicely into something I wanted to ask you this morning. Um, we uh, both uh, liked a, a short poem, I guess. I, I see it almost as a prayer um, on Twitter uh, recently. And uh, as always a good thing uh, to do. Uh, I know you're a bit more of a Twitter aficionado than me. I still feel like I don't really get Twitter, even though I've been on Twitter for a few years really. I'm more of a Facebook domain and I know Twitter's more, you're the other way around. Um, so anyway, this was called, it was called balancing. So I just uh, read it. It says, I'm trying to be happy and pay attention to the world around me. Mm. I do not know if it is possible to do both at the same time. And I was very struck by that. And I mean, I say, I don't think being happy is necessarily the goal of everything. So, you know, that being said, uh, what do you do to try and have a healthy balance between, you know, your own mental health, well-being, positive, joyful engagement with life, and um, but also staying engaged with the world, politics, culture, society, everything that might be more difficult, not least in these days. Um, how, how do you make that work or do you make that work might be a better question yeah do I make that work I I'm not sure I have a good answer I give myself full permission to um not doom scroll as people would say <laughs> yes um and and to actually just turn it all off if it's a if it's a horrible world news day we're allowed to turn that off we were I think the 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 level of you know people phrase it like information age digital age but the 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 level of news we can consume about tragedy around the world is so much bigger than 
than the worlds we would have ever lived in, you know, 300 years ago. And I think, um, which is not to say that those things wouldn't have really mattered too, but but I think at, to, to people at the time, but I think, you know, we live, it's so saturated that actually it's okay to have to step back from that. I find uh, the climate anxiety stuff the hardest. Um, I think, and I feel like the wars and the rumors of wars are pretty grim, but it's, it's often the, it's often the climate anxiety because there is something about kind of passing this world on to my children. Uh, and I think that's the bit, what I think is the hardest of it all. I think, you know, where you can feel like you can change some of the things in the present, you know, not being able to fix their future is really, really, really hard. Um, so I think one of the things I am, um, I, I there's, there's another gorgeous poem, which is all about um, uh, showing showing kids uh, the world and trying to be like um like a tour guide around a house like a and trying to be like you could make this place beautiful um but like in a kind of slightly insincere way um and um but it's a really it's a really beautiful poem and I can't recall it immediately but there is another phrase I've always thought about where um Ruth Goldborn told me once that she when she um meets babies um she will often say to them um this phrase from um Frederick is it Buechner or Buchner? I'm, I'm never entirely sure how you pronounce it. I don't it. know. I know you mean that. But you know who I mean. And she always she always will use the phrase, here is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. God is with you. Um, and well, I just... Just writing that down. Isn't it beautiful? But I so I, I looked it up the other day because um, so friends had two very, very prem twins and um, I wanted to send it to them as a kind of, you know, greeting. Um, and... Um, and I found out the whole the whole phrase is a little bit bigger and it's really, really beautiful. It says the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you. I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch, like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. And I just thought, well, it sits very well with the, the blessing that we have at the end of our podcast, doesn't it? I think as well, but um, I just, there's so much power. I mean, I, 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 love, it. I love a good quote by Beekner always, but there I saw <laughs> so much power in this idea of, um, yeah, so I, I don't have an answer to the kind of the sense of of what to do, but I do disconnect and um, I will turn off. I will turn off the world if I have to, because there are other ways of being in the world as well, aren't there? You can go and be in the garden and um, you can go be with your children or um, your loved ones or, you know, the people who make you laugh or the people who make you coffee. And I think it's refocusing on those kindnesses and the joys mm. and the small. I think that's often why find myself doing um so yes I think sometimes I wonder if it's its own form of kind of quiet protest to say actually I don't have to I don't have to be saturated by this I can go and joy as an act of rebellion I think <laughs> I think that's often where I go to indeed that's very um very Willie Jennings isn't it indeed. yeah yeah love that um, well, speaking of joy, um, our guest on the podcast this week is someone who is always a joy to spend time with and I think exudes joy in all the best ways, mm. uh, because this week we are chatting with 
Ami Buhari. So let's listen in on my chat with Ami now. Well, welcome, Ami, to Something to Declare. Great to have you joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you, David. Good to be here. Super. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things I want to ask you about. Really excited to have a chat uh, with you uh, today. But if we start big and then we'll come in small, um, where are you seeing God at work at the moment? Oh, man. Um, you know what? Into today, say start becoming small because I think I'm seeing him at work in the individuals. Okay. Yep. So moments I have with people, random people, doing these amazing acts of kindness and 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 and, and love, and I'm attributing it to God. Um, you know, people going out of their way to be nice, to to give, you know, sacrificially. Um, I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing, you know, with the conversations I'm having with different people. I'm seeing there's a there's a, a, a pull, a tug, a, a a a passion to want to get closer to, to God. So I'm seeing that in people as well. You know, people telling me about their their their, their faith, how their faith is growing. Um, you know, how their their their, uh, their their Bible knowledge is growing, their prayer life is growing, their worship life is growing. So yeah, so I'm seeing that in individuals. You know, I'm seeing it in I'm seeing miracles as well in friends who you know they said he was basically had a heart condition just found out collapsed operation all that sort of stuff in a coma said he wasn't going to um come out now he's sitting up talking and everything like that so you know so i'm really seeing god at work in in the individuals ah fantastic superb to hear that that's great news and yeah, this um god's always doing something yes. it? it's a case of noticing and tuning in and yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Now, now, I mean, you appear more in my social media feeds at the moment than almost anybody else, or at what? least you did during the month of May. I know, I know, <laughs> because I think um, the the BU was um, publicising uh, something a Zoom you were doing online at the end of May, um, working with churches and helping them talk to young people about racial justice, um, if I remember rightly. Yeah, um, and something in all the algorithms meant that I needed to see that a lot. Uh, so I was like, oh, and you know, you're almost talking to the computer. I've seen that. I know. Um, <laughs> um, but I just, how did it go? I wasn't able to be there. I couldn't do the date, but what was it like? So, okay, I'm going to be real with you. Yeah, please. So, um, yeah, it was a, a CYF, um, which is Children's Youth and Families, for anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't know that, Children's Youth and Families Roundtable, which um, we have, Baptist Union has a roundtable. So uh, a lot of us come from all the different um, associations and we come together yearly, twice yearly, five yearly, and we discuss and create and pray and, and you know, initiate initiatives around CYF that we can hopefully um, fall out into the rest of the church, the, you know, the local church, and help support them in their CYF ministry. So we created, um, as a result of Black Lives Matter, George Floyd Killing, we've created a resource around racial justice, which uh, people could take into their church and do with their young people, with their children, with the entire church, actually, a nice starting place for that. So we have been doing like a little roadshow going around the country, 
virtually um, and delivering this this uh, this session on on um, racial justice and how they can use this resource in their church in their situation their context. So we wanted to get it out to more people, and so then we decided, well, let's do it. Let's launch it at the um, assembly and let's have a national one. So it was good, but it was low numbers. Okay. It was low numbers, considering it was put out nationally. You said you saw my face everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was up in your algorithms. You know, I was there, you know, um, but nevertheless, it didn't quite materialize in the okay. amount of people. Now, thank mm -hmm. God, he is there where two or three are gathered, right? Mm -hmm. He is always there in the midst of us, thank him. And the people who did attend, it was, uh, it was great. The conversations we had, I think, um, the knowledge and the skills and the confidence that they um, gained around the topic of racial justice, which isn't an easy topic. Mm. Um, I think that for them, it was invaluable and it was, yeah, it was great. So it, it, it was good for those who attended, but I was disappointed that we had very few numbers considering mm. how important the topic is and considering yeah. how many people we have in the union. So, yeah. Yeah, I want to really appreciate you being real about that because it's so much more helpful uh, when we find out what's what's going on. Um, and have you, how have you found the impact of Black Lives Matter and uh, George Floyd's uh, murder and things on your work with the Hebe Foundation? Has it has there been a tangible difference that came up as a result of that all bubbling up? Yes and no, because. So it's always been there in the sense of it's always been an issue. Um, mm -hmm. It just probably, uh, well not probably, it highlighted it even more. And the effect it had on our young people was significant, you know, because um, for many of them, this is the first major incident that they're seeing that has gone global mm -hmm. and that um, was done in such a brutal way, anything like that, and the response to all of it. So there was, you know, we had lots of consultations and, and meetings with our young people at the time to discuss it and discuss how they feel, um, especially as the majority of them are black and, and mm -hmm. other ethnic minorities. Um, and yeah, the way forward. And so it actually spurred them to, to create. So now we have, a, now we have a, a consultancy group called the BYC, which is the Black Youth Consultancy. We, and they, they are young people come together, they decided they want to do something, they want to change the institutions, they want to change society from the inside out. So we've trained them up as consultants, we've got professionals in to do that, and they are going to be going into companies and teaching on diversity and inclusion, teaching on uh, youth culture, Black youth culture, and hopefully be able to um, enable companies to be more understanding and more inviting of other cultures and ethnicities into the workplace. So yeah, so it's had a it's had a big effect on us. Yeah, love the idea of the the Baptist Youth Consultancy, and uh, and just and empowering them and training them and I mean that's a big part of what the foundation does. Yes, across, across the board, um, that's superb. Um, tell us a bit about about the foundation i mean you're the founder the, the chief executive so it's kind of your baby uh in your your vision uh, tell us a bit about where it started where did it come from mm. so um three things happened happened so one um it was the height of the gang and the gun crime in london and across the country um this was in 2007 so 15 years ago 
Um, so a lot of our young people were feeling very despondent. They were feeling like all of society was painting them with the same brush, you know. Oh, these young people, they're all in gangs, they're all killing themselves, they're not gonna amount to anything. That was the rhetoric in, in, in the media, essentially. So yeah, so our young people weren't happy about that. We did also have some young people who were on the edges or involved in that lifestyle as well. Um, and in particular, I had my cousin um, who was very much heavily in, in, in that lifestyle. So that particular year I spent in and out of the police station and the courts with him going to support him as he was getting arrested multiple times and went to courts and eventually went to prison. So I was thinking, okay, I couldn't help my cousin. I couldn't keep him out of prison. You know, I've got to be able to help some other young people and not fall into that, that life, which is so easily done because of the environments that we, we live in, you know, these environments we live in. So that was happening. Um, at the same time, I was doing youth work for various different places, including church. I was doing youth work for the council, all sorts of stuff. And I just felt like everything was a tick box exercise. You know, young people came, shoot some pool, play some table tennis, kick a football, do a little God spot, whatever it is, and that's it, and send them home. I didn't feel like we were actually really impacting the young people and really helping them grow and develop in a way that it should be, in a way that God had intended. Um, so I had all these ideas for other ways of doing youth work. Um, so there was that, you know, and there, there was the actual issue. And then God just said to me, look, I've given you these ideas, do it. <laughs> so basically he said that, and he said it very loud and clear in many different ways, but it was very, very clear. So I quit all my jobs and I set up the Hebrew Foundation. So, yeah. So. Nice. I love. Uh, tell me about the name. How, how does it come to be called? Because I imagine if, you know, it's your baby, you're starting with those ideas. Yeah. You, I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to name something. Um, so where did, where did Hebe come from? Yeah, so I'm very democratic. I'm very much, you know, oh, everybody share your ideas. Let's come together. I want to hear what everybody has to say. So when I decided I was setting this up, um, I got together some of my youth worker friends and I said, look, this is what I'm, I want to do. I want to set this up. Um, will you come and help me and everything like that? So, you know, me wanted to be very diplomatic. I said, you know, what should, what should, what should we call it? We need to have, give it a name, what should we call it? So everyone threw their hat in and, and someone said South London Youth Project because we we're based in South London. So someone said South London Youth Project and everyone said, yeah, yeah, that's the name, that's the name. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm not feeling it, but I wanted everybody to feel like, I want to, you know, I'm inclusive. So we went with South London Youth Project. Um, okay. So that's what we originally called. And um, when we went for our charity status, I was like, yeah, no, I'm changing it. This is, this. I know this is not what the name we're supposed to have. So I was um, looking for what youth meant in different languages. Okay. And I came across Hebe, which is a variation of youth in Greek. So essentially it's the, it's the youth foundation. Okay, nice. I'm, I'm really pleased I asked because I, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, nice. Um, and so with your work with the foundation, what what are the big things on your desk at the moment? What are the, the thoughts, the projects that are occupying most of your time? Yeah, well, we're coming up to summer. So we have our big, massive flagship project, which is the Junior Apprentice, which is the Business and Leadership Project. 
so that's happening in literally two weeks just under two weeks time as soon as they break up from school so that's a very big project it happens across London uh, you know 200 young people yeah it, it's full-on um, so that's definitely on my desk. Um, <laughs> we have a film project happening. We have a um, digital technology project happening. We have the ongoing mentoring and coaching. We've got the work with the churches where we're helping them develop their youth ministries. So um, all of that and more is sitting on my desk. But um, what I'm really, really trying to carve out time for which is uh, the BYC the Black Youth Consultancy but then also this the whole thing is that we need to be intentional about the young people realizing their gifts and talents and walking in the purpose that God has given them so we've created a whole strategy around that and some new projects and and um, programs that we are wanting to develop and, and implement over the next few years so that's my that's my big thing in, in, my, in my head on my desk that I'm trying to make that visualize that and bring it to fruition. You know, so we just had um, an intense uh, short residential array where we really looked at building character and identity with young people. Um, so yeah, so we're expanding, going to be expanding on all of that and, and developing sites. So we're also reaching out, reaching out into the rest of the nation. So not just London. So yeah, so we're, we're looking to see where we can plant Hebe and, and work in collab with others. Just as well you changed the name then, really. Yes. Uh, if you're going to be expanding yeah, exactly. beyond, beyond South London. I love that. Seriously, because you know when God says, God, it's like, I felt like um, Abraham, you know, not that I'm, I'm not likening myself to Abraham, but you know, when he gives you a vision and he tells you how big it's going to be, or he told me anyway, how big it's going to be. It was never, ever going to be just South London. It was never going to be just London. You know, I, every time I think about Hebe, every time I go to the Lord and pray about it, every time he puts latest um, ideas into my head, it's so much bigger. So the name was never going to be that, you know, and I don't know why. That's, that's my thing. I need to stop. I need to stop being <laughs> a couple sometimes and just say, look, this is what God says. This is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it, and well, I look forward to hearing more about some of the new things that are going to come out of that that strategy. Um, you mentioned about the junior apprentice. Obviously, it's coming up to the summer. I know that's been a really big, successful thing uh, that the foundation's done in previous summers. How easy do you find it to get businesses and other organisations to engage with you as part of that? Um, I would say now it's quite easy, but that's a build-up over how many, okay. you know, um, I always try and get businesses to come in and actually volunteer on the projects. When they volunteer on a project, they see, they see it, they see the young people and they're hooked. That's it. We've got them, you know, because they see the work, they see what we're doing and they understand it. Sometimes you can't understand stuff on paper. You send something to a business, you know, you'll be lucky if they read it um or you know you have a conversation with them even sometimes that's a push um but when they see it in action so we're very much using our contacts as many contacts as possible you know that's how we used to go about it who knows someone there knows someone there this is where i work well let me give me a give me in into your company you know where you're working and in that way that's how we've built up relationships now we're at a point where companies are coming to us which is really lovely great 
yeah, so that's that's great because you know obviously we're established, we, they've seen what we're up to. Um, so that's a good position to be in when, when companies come to you and say, you know, we want to support, we want to work with you, we want to volunteer. So that's that's wonderful. But um, it's not it's not easy. You have to cultivate a relationship with companies and really let them know what's in it for them. You know, because ultimately it's it's to fulfill their CSR, their corporate social responsibility. Mm. You know, for them to look good as well. Don't get me wrong; they have they do have great hearts and, and they do want to actually impact the community but you know there needs to be something in it for them as well so it's about letting them know up front the, the benefits of it and, mm. and you know helping to sell that and and letting them know there that it is a responsibility of theirs to be active in their community and to support the younger generation but yeah it's, it's, it's not easy but once you get in it's about cultivating that relationship really spending time so I do have to focus a lot on my corporates okay um now you mentioned about being part of the uh, cyf round table mm-hmm. um let us in on the on the inside of the cyf round table a bit for folks who who don't don't know about that um so this is people from each association and from around the country are they all doing similar things to you or what kind of group is it that gathers and when you're there what do you do we, we drink wine and eat cheese <laughs> <laughs> Like all good Baptist meetings. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're similar. I mean, I think I'm the only person from um, technically an external organisation. Okay. In that sense, everybody else is um, from the different associations, whether they're work, whether they're working in the local church or the um, actual association itself. You know, so they're one of those representatives there. And then there's a few other people who are co-opted on, like myself. You know, from an organisation that works closely in partnership with with BU, etc. Okay. Um. So yeah. So it's a majority, a mix, but it's a majority of people from the different um, regional associations and churches who are doing CYF in their context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we come together and we yeah we discuss how can we keep it at the forefront of the BU agenda. You know, mm-hmm. make it a priority. It's now a now priority, but keeping it a priority, keeping it current. We know intergenerational church is the way to go moving forward. So we need to be equipping our CYF workers out there with all the tools and the support that they can have in order to make sure that, you know, uh, our young people are thriving, our children are thriving, our families are thriving. And, and we're at that point in churches, let's be real, we are losing young people. We were losing them mm-hmm. before pandemic and it's even worse now you know i'm working with a lot of different churches and they are in it's 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 a it's a drought it's 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 literally a dire situation so it's so cyf is now will never so important let's face mm-hmm. it you know we're all gonna go home to glory soon at some point they are the ones who are going to be the church and it's not a case of they're going to be the church they are the church so we need to invest in them desperately you know, so yeah, so CYF is all about coming together, fellowshipping together, but also creating initiatives and 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 support and resources to equip the local church and keep CYF in the forefront. Sounds good. Sounds important. Um, obviously, CYF itself covers a quite a big 
spectrum of mm. skills, ages, even. I mean, if you're working with a toddler group, it's very different to working with a group of kids at sixth form college or whatever, you know. So um, do you ever find there are certain things which you think, okay, well, that's very nice, but that's more the C of the CYF? And, yeah. and, or, or do you find there's a commonality across it? I, get, I guess it could be both and. I don't know. How does that dynamic work? It's, it's definitely both. It's definitely both, you know, sometimes it is very, you know, you, you can, well, that's really doesn't relate to what we're doing. Um, but then saying that we've had to be a bit more diverse and, and expand. So some of the projects we now do are for the younger ages, because in our, in our organization, we have a lot of young people and they are caring for their siblings, their younger siblings. They are yeah. the primary carers, you know, they go, they pick their, their little brothers and sisters up from school, you know, or they, they're bringing them home from school. They're looking after them until mum dad whoever gets back home from work so they are one of the primary carers so if we want our young people to engage we have to include the younger ones as well so we've had to do that with some of our projects you know open up the age range in order to benefit everybody so that the young person isn't missing out so it does cross over we do you know and also you know the, the, the children are coming up so if we can yeah I mean then it's, it's much easier mm. Okay, so I mean, at the end of our chats on the podcast, we always ask everybody the same two questions to finish. So I'm going to ask you those questions now. And our first question is, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment, what would it be? Um, gosh, it would be something along the line of let's get back to basics. Let's get back to that. What does that early Acts church look like in today's context? And let's get back to that. Let's um, throw out everything that we think we know and let, let's start again with God. Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Sounds scary. It's scary. Yeah. Scary, scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you think, Baptists have one thing to declare to the world what would that be it's hard when you say Baptists uh you know um okay what well, Baptists have one thing to declare to the world um you're closer to the answers of the questions that you are asking um so taste and see that the Lord is good that sounds like a good thing to declare to me. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Fabulous to chat with you as ever. Yeah. And uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Wonderful. Thank you. See you later. Bye. So, uh, Beth, that was a little chat with Amy. Uh, what stands out for you there? What are you wanting to start by talking about? Oh, all, all of it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another person who I could have just listened to for hours. Um, thank you, Amy. I mean, I just thought, um, oh, I found that really thought-provoking and quite challenging and moving. Um, I think, yeah, I'm going to start with the beginning because I don't really know where to begin otherwise. Um, but that's a very good place to start. Indeed, if in doubt, if in yeah. doubt um so you asked this brilliant first question which was um about 
you know, where does she see God at work at the moment? And I thought that was in itself a really fascinating question. So I think just to sort of applaud your question, really. But um, but I think actually that is such a spiritual discipline, isn't it? To stand back and to say, where is God at work here? Um, and and just to, to pause to ask that question is, is so important. And then she matched it with such an incredibly beautiful answer. So then this gorgeous counterpart to it, which was within the individuals that she's working with. And, mm-hmm. and I just thought, I thought it was such a beautiful both andness um, as a kind of initial conversation. Um, so that, that was to start there as one of, you know, there were so many big themes that she brings up, which we will reckon with, but I just thought what a gorgeous thing. And I can think that, you know, where, do I, where have I just seen God at work um, and heard God at work in it's clearly in her life here as well as an individual, isn't it? In her way she's investing in the individuals. Absolutely. Yes, I, I love that. And I loved hearing about the work of the foundation um, altogether. I mean, we had Amy come and speak at our church earlier in this year, and people loved that and loved hearing what she's about and what she's doing as well. Um, but I was really struck with uh, how the foundation started, uh, but particularly where um, Amy was talking about, you know, so I quit my jobs and, and started it. And I, I think just the courage to start something was what uh, mm. stood out for me in, when I was talking with her you I think I don't think I'm alone I think lots of us have ideas of things we could do and things that could happen um but you being willing to sort of jump out of the boat uh is something else really you know having the ideas doing the little ideas around the edges where we don't actually give up the safe things as well that's okay mm-hmm. um but actually are we going all in and doing something big and um having that courage and obviously that has happened uh, with the heap foundation and it's doing incredible things um but without that initial courage that wouldn't have happened and so i i felt kind of inspired or sort of um chastened in in a good way as well you know actually there's something in here that's really important and uh, when god speaks and you think god's in it go do it and uh, i was um inspired by that uh, listening to, to amy this amazing phrase she's like yeah so I, I quit all my jobs <laughs> I set it up yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. Like, of course yeah yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. and there was another phrase she um she's talked about like Abraham likeness of of not this yes. isn't a small this was not a small vision this you know this was not to be reduced to one one geographical space because actually this was a big vision that God had given her and she had to trust in its Abraham likeness and I thought that was um yeah I think yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think, well, maybe we do sit so nervously on the edges of visions of things um, that actually to be able to fully embrace, no, this is going to have consequence and it's going mm. to be significant and that's okay. Um, you know, it's okay to believe that, actually, um, to trust that. That's I've, I've met that in lots of other places and spaces in a much different tone of voice to Amy's. And I think what I really appreciated okay. is how Amy gave that in that gentle confidence and lived reality of this is where God is um and that wasn't it wasn't a kind of I don't know what I'm going to try and carefully not say anything that's rude but like sometimes you get the kind of like a slightly macho Christianity that comes with that kind of vibe of like we will take and conquer God is with us and God is victorious and and it wasn't that it was really just beautifully trusting 
nicely navigated there. Um, I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I say, loved hearing about the work. Uh, and then reflecting on some of the, the wider work that Amy's been doing, uh, both with the foundation and just across uh, the union as well, in terms of uh, racial justice and equipping churches to have mm. some of those conversations. I thought it was such an important thing. And, and we were talking a, a little while ago as well, weren't we, about how there's a whole series of conversations here um, that churches need to have and, and ministers need to, to think and work through. Um, but it's really great to have stuff coming out to help equip churches engage with these conversations. So, I mean, here in our church, we have been having some conversations um, about... Um, racial justice and and things related to that over the last three or four years really and we've done a number of things as as part of that um but i think that is the challenge you know sort of helping the whole church engage with that um is is a different thing i mean well i guess obviously depending on the um ethnic makeup of your church actually um in terms of what kind of conversation that might consist of um, our churches are largely predominantly white church which reflects our community where we are but um there are a number of non-white folks with us and uh, we uh, that's growing and we're loving that and we want to do what we can to make the churches aware and engaged and alive to some of the dynamics and privileges that they might have taken for granted uh, before and it's and people have responded really well to that generally often it's quite hard initially because people don't feel privileged necessarily especially if you've got a bit more of a um i guess a working class community in parts as well uh, there's not a, a sense of privilege they don't you know this is not the metropolitan liberal elite you know uh that kind of stuff um but that doesn't mean that this isn't important and actually when we kind of all get around the, the table and talk and share it's been really moving and uh yeah so the stuff mm. that amy's doing it's just so good and so healthy and i loved hearing about it and um looking through the resources as well yeah yeah I, i'm gonna go and um i i've got like a big note to go and look up all the resources as well because um i it's an age group i work with actually and talk about racial justice with quite a lot and and i think you're absolutely right about the taking a community with you um because i think you know, I, I can I can try very hard to work on my own questions around white privilege, and um, uh, I would definitely be one of those people that would be classed in the kind of white savior model of like, oh, I'll fix this for you. <laughs> like, oh dear, no, that's not it either. <laughs> that's just a manifestation of the same thing gone wrong. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so I would be that person, um, and I think you can do, try and really grapple with it within yourself, and it just keeps. You know, it's it's one of those things is sin isn't it so it will appear in all sorts of places in unexpected ways but um but but then recognizing that this is a really structural sin so it's it's only in dealing with it as a community that you're ever really going to deal with it because mm. it's a dynamic that's about power um and so how do you how do you navigate power and how do you navigate that power especially like you say when there are people who feel like they've been um unempowered in other ways as well and and so trying to to show them that yes they might have been and there might be really clear consistencies but actually they haven't been uh deprivileged in other ways that that you know so so actually kind of yeah it's a really huge conversation and and it's so hard to affect change on I think I'm 
maybe it's me trying to justify it <laughs> but I'm I am so aware of this being such a live issue and um desperately wanting to play my part in it and yet at the same time um yeah worrying that sometimes I might be making it worse instead of better um but it's and so it's really I'm yeah I can't applaud the work that Amy's doing enough really um not least that uh, the way she's gone about it is by um, creating situations that are win-wins. So, you know, this here's this Black Youth Consultancy who, who are developing their, you know, their future, their employment, their skill set, their extraordinary, you know, intelligence and, you know, public speaking and all the things that will go with those things and, and just their whole you know personal lived experiences and yet also it's a win for the for the business that they're going into and I think there's something beautiful in that um yeah so yeah, I loved I, the youth consultancy I thought that was such a fantastic um fantastic thing really um if I, I yeah I just thought what a fabulous idea um and uh, it was so encouraging to to hear about that and so empowering for the young people that the, the foundation are working with as well. Um, obviously, the one of the, the resources that um, that meant that uh, Amy kept appearing in my uh, Facebook feed um, was uh, that she's been uh, putting together um, is particularly related to how to help churches have these conversations um, with young people um, as well. And uh, obviously, Amy then has a role speaking into and being part of the, the CYF roundtable. Uh, and one of our team here sits on the round table uh, representing the, the EBA, uh, Vicky. Um, so I've got to know a little bit more about it uh, recently, but um, it seems like their gatherings are a lot of fun. Um, every time I see anything the round table has been doing on online or whatever, I think, oh, I, you know, that looks like it was more exciting than the meeting I was in. Um, but also we're so blessed to have so many fantastic, gifted, creative, wonderful people uh, exercising ministry amongst children and families and, and young people across our union uh, in local churches and and beyond mm. um and we probably don't talk about that enough i don't think we celebrate it enough um and certainly we will um look to rectify that in future episodes of the podcast as well uh but just a hat tip to everybody doing wonderful cyf work across the union uh, today because we appreciate you and we can't do what we do uh, mm. without you um and we yeah we need we need more um and it's good stuff so you know we appreciate the round table we're grateful for their commitment to helping the union mm. progress in all these areas and i know they've got some exciting initiatives coming up and uh, look forward to hearing more about them uh, in the future absolutely yeah um so that was amy and uh, we loved uh, talking with her and uh, look forward to hearing and seeing more of what uh, she does in the yeah. years ahead definitely I, I wonder if we should um or as we close just think about kind of what she was saying as she kind of in her something you know her kind of declaring statements um so mm, yes that's closing um because i i thought her comment about being back to basics um and going kind of to this kind of early acts kind of church and, and risking something there. There was something really challenging and inspiring. And from her who has, she's lived that, hasn't she? You know, so mm. I gave up all my jobs and I went into this vision for God. Um, and I think that I kind of, uh, you know, to sit with that beautiful phrase um, as well. I, I was reading um, John Colwell on- um, Always good. 
Yeah, ministry as word and prayer. Uh-huh. Um, it was ministry as prayer is the chapter's title. Um, but he looks at the same acts idea and, and says, you know, we are getting our knickers in a twist about it. And that was not the phrase he used um, about <laughs> <laughs> if he ever listens in. <laughs> Um, but he talked about this phrase about um you know how we um we get kind of uh very baptisty about exactly what the deacons were and weren't um in act six and we get very kind of like almost slightly ecumenically competitive about you know who's who's diaconate is the best and most appropriately kind of scriptural version of what 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 was going on in that original diaconate and um and he was saying that's that's to kind of miss the point but this idea that ministry is prayer that we're set set apart for word and prayer uh, is his option as opposed to kind of word and sacrament he's suggested maybe it should be understood as word and prayer and um Mm -hmm. and it's this uh, he uses this phrase about um uh how every you know with scripture we cannot so easily and quickly come to being people who objectify it in different ways and use it as information and he said but the 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 reality is that it preaching should always be about transformation and we can't do that we're fundamentally incompetent at the transforming we can we can do the informing but god has to do the transforming it's a god's gift to do that um and he just keeps coming back to this idea that 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 it's god's gift to do the transforming and and therefore we're kind of yeah we sit with the incompetence which is a thing he's developed and Ruth Goldborn's developed somewhere else but I just yeah. thought as you know if we're thinking about going back to basics maybe it's you know I, I was really inspired by that um mm. yeah I, I, I you know I would offer some feminist critique about how easy it is to sit and do a particular form of prayer at certain times a day but um but I think you know for me pre- looking at prayer is a slightly bigger and wider discipline of, of kind of dwelling within God's mm. self then actually yeah maybe yeah when we were at college John uh, reminded us with fairly frequent abandon that we were incompetent uh, regardless of what the competencies that we were attempting to attain for our Baptist Junior accreditation said uh, we were fundamentally incompetent to do uh, that work of transformation and it was the Holy Spirit that did it and uh, we should know our place again not entirely his words but basically uh, was the gist yeah great stuff yeah love that um so let's finish with our blessing i think mm. you're going to lead us out with our blessing today i am um, which inevitably has just disappeared here we go <laughs> <laughs> a blessing for a joyfully mediocre journey blessed are you who realize there is simply not enough time money resources. Blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection. It's not, and you know that now. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here, and somehow that is good enough. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. I love that every time. Um, Thank you, Amy. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Beth. We look forward to seeing everybody next time. Bye. Bye.